Yes, we're open. Living Faith with Needham UCC, a sermon podcast from the Congregational Church of Needham United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you're invited and welcome. This sermon for Sunday, April 24th, 2022, Earth Day Sunday, is entitled Dear Earth. It's a reflection on a reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 15. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to find out more about our open and affirming ministries at the Congregational Church of Needham, United Church of Christ, simply head over to our website, www.needhamucc.org. Thank you. Our sermon time today will be a bit different than usual. Today, I will make some introductory remarks, and then two members of our environmental ministries team, Isabel Wells and Jenny Haynes, will share two brief readings. Similarly, our scripture reading today is a bit different too. Today, we'll read just one verse, but we will hear it in six different translations, six different versions, four translations that is, attempts to more strictly translate the original languages into English word for word, and two, paraphrases. That is, attempts to more fluidly translate the original languages into English in order to convey more contemporary meaning, or at least contemporary at the time of translation. The reading itself comes from the Hebrew Bible, from the Pentateuch, that is, the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, sometimes called the books of Moses. From the very first book, the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 15. First, in translation from the King James Version of 1611. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Next, from the Revised Standard Version of 1952, which remains unchanged in the New Revised Standard Version of 1989, that is the version of the Bible that's found in our pews here in the sanctuary. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. Then the New International Version of 1978 The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the contemporary English version of 1991, getting less contemporary by the day. The Lord God put the man in the Garden of Eden to take care of it and to look after it. Now in paraphrase, from the Good News translation, or as it was first published, Good News for Modern Man, 1966. This was the version I found in the Sunday school classrooms of my childhood. Then the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and guard it. And finally, the message, a popular biblical paraphrase written by Eugene Peterson in 2002. God took the man and set him down in the Garden of Eden to work the ground and keep it in order. 
May the Holy Spirit help us to find a connection to God's living word in these words, all from Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. To many people, both inside and outside the church, the very fact that there are so many versions of the Bible is cause to doubt the truth of the project as a whole, the whole project of Christian faith, or any faith at all, really. If there were a God, they'd say, and that God really wanted to be understood, wouldn't they have been clearer and laid down the law in flaming letters 50 feet high so there could be no confusion? Instead, we have this mishmash of translations and paraphrases, hundreds of versions over hundreds of years, and that's just in English, which was not God's original language. And even within each version, so much variation where there needn't be, and so little variation where there ought. Take our passage for today from Genesis. Each of these versions, right up to the modern day, continues the sexist convention of using man to mean people of both genders, both here and in the first version of the creation story in the previous chapter in Genesis, or, oh, didn't you know, there are two distinct versions of that story in the Bible. In doing so, the translators completely miss the underlying pun in Hebrew, where the human being is called Adam, not a name, Adam, a play on the Hebrew word Adama, meaning earth or soil. If only they'd simply used human, as in humus soil, not as in hummus, something entirely different. Voila, more meaning and less sexism, win-win. But apparently no. Meanwhile, at the other end of the verse, we get a lot more variety when talking about our purpose as human beings in this garden creation where God places us. Are we to till it and keep it, work it and take care of it, or cultivate and guard it? Care for it and look after it, or work the ground and keep it in order? And what does it mean to dress a garden anyway? Each of these translations of the very same underlying Hebrew words paints a very different picture or pictures of our relationship to creation. Different historical contexts and theological and political concerns, see above re-sexism, have produced wildly differing interpretations. And lest you think that knowing the Hebrew would make all of this go away, Jewish scholars have been having the very same or similar arguments far longer than we Christians have, and they still are. Wouldn't it be nice if we could set aside all that messy, subjective stuff and be objective for once and finally find that one really right, really correct translation? In a word, no. No, it wouldn't. Because so many of the problems that we are having now, all all the various isms and phobias that divide us, they are not actually dividing us. 
We are already in ourselves divided and diverse as God created us. The trouble comes when we try to cram us all in together, to lop off naturally occurring bits and pieces of ourselves, or let's be real, usually of someone else, in order to cram ourselves into one unnatural box. Objectivity is unnatural. Just like the rest of creation around us, with its 10,560 distinct species of ferns, and 350,000 and counting species of beetles, we are made to be, indeed, to thrive in diversity and relationship. All nearly 8 billion of us alive and walking around the world today. In this cosmos-spanning network of intimate mutual relationships where a butterfly flapping its wings in Brazil contributes to weather patterns in India and the rare earth minerals in my iPad right here contribute to political instability, poverty, and pollution around the world. Treating anyone or anything as just an object, hence the term objectivity, isn't just a sin it's wrong. We die by distance, or rather the illusion of distance. And the planet dies too. But we live together in loving relationship. That's my point today on this Earth Day Sunday, and it's the entire point of the book Love Letters to the Earth by renowned Vietnamese Buddhist teacher Thich Nhat Hanh. Master Nhat Han, who passed away earlier this year at age 95, was a worldwide advocate for peace and justice, a friend and colleague to Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and to Thomas Merton, a founder of engaged Buddhist practice, and often called the father of mindfulness. Now, I am not any of these things. And I cannot pretend to understand much, if any, of the deep Buddhist background of his teaching. The beauty of this particular teaching in Love Letters to the Earth, though, is that I, we, don't have to. The concept is as succinct and easy to grasp as it is simultaneously deep, potentially life-changing and challenging to live out. We are not separate from the earth, from the rest of creation. I know that sounds like it should go without saying, but it too often does. There is no part of us, no element in us that does not have its ultimate origin in the earth and before that in the stars of the far-flung universe around us. We are a part of it, and it is is a part of us, quite literally. And therefore, it is not an it, or even a collection of its. When what we are breathing 
and what we are breathing it with are quite literally one and the same, separated only a bit in space and time, in the grand scheme of things, there can be no objective distance between us. We are subject to one another. As Dr. King put it when considering our human relationships, we say the same now about our relationship with creation. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. We have met the earth, and the earth is us. Yet nearly everything about our life, particularly here in the global West, seems designed along exactly opposite lines. Our economics, our politics, our media, our faith, even our science, all serve to slice and dice, divide and disconnect us from one another and from the earth. And I would add as a minister of the Christian gospel from earth's creator. We, and hereby we, I mean the powers and principalities to which we have ceded control day to day. We prefer the illusion of a simplistic this or that, in or out order in the world over the messy, complex, and beautiful this and that order of living, breathing creation. By emphasizing our divisions this way, again, our divisions, not our differences. And by denying our underlying connectivity, this creates unnecessary and unhealthy conflicts in us and among us. This ends up tainting even our best efforts to live justly with one another and the earth. As Master Nat Han observes, a lot of our fear, hatred, Anger and feelings of separation and alienation come from the idea that we are separate from the planet. We see ourselves as the center of the universe and are concerned primarily with our own personal survival. If we care about the health and well-being of the planet, we do so for our own sake. We want the air to be clean enough for us to breathe. We want the water to be clear enough so that we have something to drink. Alienated from even our own bodies. And, and if you doubt this, witness our resistance, even our failure to care for our bodies, let alone the bodies of our neighbors throughout this current COVID pandemic. So alienated, we become alienated from creation too and end up treating it as an object, as merely inanimate matter and not the living system, the living organism it is. And this is not just a conservative problem by any stretch of the imagination. There is nothing that we so-called progressives love so much as taking on a person or a cause as a project, but a project is just another thing, not necessarily another person. We have forgotten the earth, Master Nathan says, that she is a part of us and that we are a part of her. Because we're not taking care of the earth, we have both become sick. We need to do more than just use recycled products, he says, though of course we do need to do that. 
or donate money to environmental groups, though that's good too. We have to change our whole relationship with the earth. We have to fall in love with the earth. Again, so simple and so profound to move from working the ground and keeping it in order, even dominating creation as some Christian theologies would have you believe is our calling from God to caring for it and looking after it. Just imagine what would change if we organized our relationship with creation, not around objectivity and projects and usefulness, even best intentioned, but around love. Because what do you do when you're in love? We seek to live close to the beloved, to spend time with them. We seek to share our lives with the beloved within healthy boundaries. We seek to listen to and learn from and simply marvel at the beloved. We tell the beloved of our love for them frequently, lest they forget. And most importantly, we act lovingly toward them and the people and things they love. In the best kind of love, in our case as Christians, in divine Christ-like love, we seek the flourishing of the self, yes, but alongside the flourishing of the beloved other and every other. In fact, we do exactly what the earth does for us day after day after day when it takes whatever death-dealing crap we hand it and hands it back to us in time, transformed, renewed, and life-giving. What can you call that except love? So when's the last time you told the earth you loved it? Her, him, them. Because saying it out loud is important. Just ask the loved ones in your life how they would feel if those words never passed your lips. Just ask them. Master Nod Han ends his book with 10 love letters to the earth. And we're going to end our sermon time today with these members of our environmental ministries team sharing portions of two of those letters. But then we're going to ask you to consider writing your own letter, even just a a note, a love note to the earth. After worship here in the sanctuary, I'll have postcards and pens available to you that you can use during our fellowship time or take home and return later. And folks who are worshiping online, you can send us your notes. You can send that to revjohn at needhamucc.org. And we'll collect those and put them up on the Sunday School Earth Care Bulletin Board that Reverend Maddie has set up out in the hall so that others can be inspired to fall in love with the earth again or for the first time. So let's listen now as Jenny Haynes and Isabel Wells share Thich Nhat Hanh's love letters to the earth. Dear Mother Earth, 
I bow my head before you as I look deeply and recognize that you are present in me and that I am part of you. I was born from you, and you are always present, offering me everything I need for my nourishment and growth. You are the mother of all beings. I call you by the human name Mother, and yet I know your mothering nature is more vast and ancient than humankind. All the millions of other species who live or have lived on Earth are also your children. You aren't a person, but I know you are not less than a person either. You are a living, breathing being in the form of a planet. Dear Mother, wherever there is soil, water, rock, or air, you are there, nourishing me and giving me life. You are present in every cell of my body. You are not outside of me, and I am not outside of you. You are more than just my environment. You are nothing less than myself. I promise to keep the awareness alive that you are always in me, and I am always in you. I promise to be aware that your health and well-being is my own health and well-being. I know I need to keep this awareness alive in me for both of us to be peaceful, happy, healthy, and strong. Sometimes I forget, lost in the confusions and worries of daily life, I forget that my body is your body. Unaware of the presence of my body and the beautiful planet around me and within me, I am unable to cherish and celebrate the precious gift of life you have given me. Dear Mother, my deep wish is to wake up to the miracle of life. I promise to train myself to be present for myself, my life, and for you in every moment. I know that my true presence is the best gift I can offer to you, the one I love. Dear Mother Earth, the human species is but one of your many children. Unfortunately, many of us have been blinded by greed, pride, and delusion, and only a few of us have been able to recognize you as our mother. Not realizing this, we have done you great harm, compromising both your health and your beauty. Our deluded minds push us to exploit you and create more and more discord putting you and all your forms of life under stress and strain. <clears throat> when greed and pride overtake our basic survival needs, the rest is always violence and unnecessary devastation. We've learned that when we perpetrate violence toward our own and other species, we are violent toward ourselves. When we know how to protect all beings, we are protecting ourselves. We understand that all things are impermanent, you, like everything else in the cosmos, are constantly changing. Nonetheless, we need to protect you and restore balance so that you can continue for a long time in this beautiful and precious form, not just for our children and their children, but for 500 million years and beyond. <clears throat> we know that you want us to live in such a way that in each moment of our daily lives, we can cherish life and generate the energies of mindfulness, peace, solidity, compassion, and love. We vow to fulfill your wish and respond to, love, to your love. We have the deep conviction that in generating these wholesome energies, we will help reduce the suffering on earth and contribute to alleviating, alleviating the suffering caused by violence, war, hunger, and illness. In alleviating our suffering, we alleviate yours. 
for balance in nature to be achieved. At times, some species have to endure loss. In those moments, we have turned to you, dear mother, and asked whether or not we could count on you, on your stability and compassion. You replied, yes, of course, you can count on your mother. I will always be there for you. But then you said, dear children, you must ask yourselves, can your mother earth count on you? Dear mother, today we offer you our solemn reply. Yes, mother, you can count on us. Thank you to Jenny and to Isabel, and thank you for the leadership of our environmental ministries team, challenging us to move deeper into this part of our engaged Christian faith. And so, beloved, if you have heard the word of God preached here today, remember to give all honor and glory to our one God, creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit.